the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Had a nice day weather-wise. Still do. Eventually down to about 52 for the low this evening. You may get a shower or two in a couple of spots to go along with clouds. Staying cloudy tomorrow. A little sunshine, maybe a shower and a high up to 74. Phillies beat Detroit last night, 7-3. Reese Hoskins with his ninth homer of the year. Michael Franco with three runs batted in. And uh, Andrew McCutcheon and Cesar Hernandez with three hits apiece. So a team effort there. They open up a weekend series against Washington tomorrow night. Sixers home this evening against Toronto at 8 o'clock, Game 3 of their Eastern Conference semifinal series. And today, the National Day of Prayer going on all over the area. Love one another, the theme, based on John 13, 34. Love one another just as I have loved you. You can get more info at nationaldayofprayer.org. This hour, I wanted to mix in some songs that have to do with prayer and some scripture verses in honor of the National Day of Prayer. Never too late, although most of the festivities officially have concluded. You can certainly pray anytime, anywhere. Uh, so in addition to that, though, we have some other things to mix in the program today, including um, uh, some clips I'd like to play for you from a number of folks that we've had on the program in the past month. Kind of a look back at the month of April and give the, you an opportunity as you listen in to see this is kind of a cross-section of what this program is about. I find this helpful for me personally because, I don't know about you, life moves pretty quickly, and it's nice just to stop for a minute and look back and appreciate what has happened. So let me start with a short clip right here of Marcus Hayes. He was on with us just a few days ago on Monday. He is a sports writer for The Inquirer and The Daily News, been around for many, many years, written lots of articles, covered all the teams for a lot of years. And just as a short little, uh, you know, kind of fun thing, he was on with us from Toronto after the Sixers lost game one of the playoff series, they went on to win game two. And then again, tonight is game three. But what he had to say, I asked him, like, how are the Sixers going to rebound from losing that first game? Just listen to what he has to say. It's spot on with what they went ahead and did in game two. Joel Embiid probably needs to see the ball a little bit more in the post. The problem is they, they're such a good help defensive team. They're so long and they're so willing to defend, and they're so good at recovering. And they're – like Jimmy Jimmy Butler often gets defended by Kyle Lowry, which is a seven-inch height difference. But Kyle Lowry is so tough. He's got that Philly toughness to him. It doesn't really matter. So Joel Embiid probably needs to get the ball in the post and do something with it quickly and effectively. That's one thing. Jimmy Butler needs to be aggressive. Jimmy was talking, was talking before game two about, oh, you know, I'm going to just let the game come to me. When you want to be a max contract guy, you don't wait for the game to come to you. You take you take your game to everyone else. Yeah. Those are two things that can happen. And the third thing is when uh, Kawhi Leonard has the ball, I think you do have to sort of sell out and go give him a little bit of uh, – give that defender a little bit of help 
whether it's Ben Simmons defending him or uh, Jim Butler or uh, Tobias Harris. So those are three areas that they can they can adjust and see what happens because they they can't win if they if those three things don't happen. And two of those things they can control. I mean, two of those things, Jimmy Butler being more aggressive and Joel Embiid getting the ball and doing something with it more quickly, those, those are things they can control themselves. And those are indeed the things the Sixers went ahead and did control themselves and got that Game 2 win. So the series tied at a game apiece with Game 3 coming up tonight at 8 o'clock at home. We'll take our first break of the uh, program, and then we'll get back into things and play some songs, as I mentioned, that have to do with prayer, being the National Day of Prayer today, and also some clips from the month of April. Keep in mind, as you hear uh, the various clips, you know, be a minute or two long of each, the full podcasts of those programs at WFAL.com. So help yourself to those anytime you like. Back in just a moment at the Tim Noir Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. We're rolling along. Happy Thursday. Happy National Day of Prayer Day, among other things. We're featuring some songs that have to do with prayer today. Some are slow. Some are fast. Some are more contemplative. Is that a word? Some are more celebratory. This was a theme song for the National Day of Prayer one day in the past. Or here. A number of years ago. It's a great one. Stephen Curtis Chapman. Let's pray. AM560 WFIL. I hear you say your heart is aching. You've got trouble in the making. But you ask if I'll be praying for your peace. And in keeping with convention. Say yes with good intentions to pay late, making mention of your needs. But since we have this moment here at heaven's door, we should start knocking now. What are we waiting for? Let us pray, let us pray. Let us pray. 
WFIL. Stephen Curtis Chapman and Let Us Pray. 2 Samuel 22, verse 4. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. A couple of verses having to do with prayer. There are tons of them. Uh, You may have a favorite you'd like to share, uh, but just throwing a couple of those out to you this uh, afternoon, today being the National Day of Prayer, uh, love one another, the theme, just as it says in John 13, 34, love one another, just as I have loved you. NationalDayOfPrayer.org has all the uh, details. There's still time to be involved. Even if there's not a formal thing going on in your uh, workplace or area, you can certainly even just step on the front lawn or or out in the sidewalk, go for a walk and pray for your neighborhood. That's all a good thing. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. We'll throw in a couple more songs along the way this hour, but I also wanted to use this hour to take a pause. I don't know about you, but life just moves quick. And sometimes you you forget even what happened. Like, what did I have for breakfast today? What, what did I do yesterday? Oh, yeah. So looking back into the month of April, I just pulled out a few clips from some of the folks we had on the program to remind myself and also give you a sample of what you might have missed. And, of course, what the full podcasts are, you know, they're available on our website if you want to dig further in. So as far as um, prayer goes, we had a nice conversation with Bishop Eric Lambert of the Climbing Higher program, which you can catch every uh, weekday afternoon from 3.30 till 4, right before this one on WFIL. Also, uh, Bishop Lambert is the pastor over at uh, Bethel Deliverance International Church in Wincote, PA. And we were talking about a couple of events that they were having at Bethel on a Saturday. The first one geared toward younger kids, uh, ages 10 to 18. We have a program that we've titled Boys to Men, and the goal is uh, to take young men and help them to learn the principles of the Word of God so they can become godly men, and secondly, to help them set plans to become effective leaders in their communities and families. So what we're doing is we're going to introduce them to various business executives. We have people coming in from the FBI, from the Philadelphia Eagles, the 76ers, military representatives. And we're going to teach these young men, uh, even the banking industry, we're going to set up accounts so they can learn how to save. They can learn how to uh, do uh, proper, proper use of credit. Uh, and some we may even have to teach how to shave and how to take care of themselves because it's time for these young men who are of the next generation to begin to learn the principles of God as well as how to be effective as a man. That event, pretty cool, and not just a once-in-a-great-while thing. We do it every month. Okay. Oh, that's great. Every month we do it. Yeah, we tell the mothers, we tell the fathers they can stay with their sons. And we sit around the table and Mm. we talked about careers. And we tell the mothers to drop them off and let us have them for the two hours yes. and then come back and get them. Because sometimes we want to discuss things that moms really don't want to let their boys go into. They're afraid, you know. Sure. But, um, you know, we still want that father there. We want that masculine link. And it's been effective. The boys are opening up. And this session we're going to talk about what it means to be a man of God. And uh, hopefully that foundation will then segue into the other guests that we have coming. 
and I'm looking forward to it. I really am. They're all free. Everything is free at Bethel, um, and we just want people to come and give us those young men, have the ministers come and learn and connect, and we just look for the Lord to just bless our time. The second event that Bishop Lambert went on to talk about was called The Making of a Minister, and as the title uh, implies, it talked about a lot of things that are important in that, uh, in that process and in that path. Uh, but one of the things you will notice if you go to Bethel Deliverance Fellowship's uh, uh, church website, there's a lot of prayer meetings all over it, not just a lot of activities and events, but a lot of prayer. That's, that's correct. I take it personally when Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. And that's what we want it to be. We have uh, early morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer. We have men getting together every Saturday. The women get together every Saturday. Family prayers. Everybody has to pray. Our young people are being taught how to pray. And they get opportunity to stand on Sunday and pray. So we want people to understand that prayer is the lifeline to God, and it keeps our minds filled with his thoughts. It's Bishop Eric Lambert from Bethel Deliverance International Church of Wincote, also the pastor who is on the program, climbing higher weekday afternoons from 3 till 4 on WFIL. Since it is National Day of Prayer today, nationaldayofprayer.org, with the theme being Love One Another. I thought I would uh, throw in a, a couple of songs this hour that have to do with prayer. This is a great one from C.C. Winans. Say a Prayer, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com.
560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Great song from C.C. Winans at Say a Prayer. We're mixing in some songs about prayer today since it is the National Day of Prayer. NationalDayofPrayer.org for more info on that. Back with more in just a moment. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL? Email Timmy D at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. Forecast calling for a kind of cloudy evening ahead. Might get a shower in spots, low drop in a 52. A lot of clouds tomorrow. A little sunshine again. Could be a a shower or two in the picture as well with a high of 74. Philly, 7-3 winners over Detroit last night. Reese Hoskins, another home run. That's nine for him on the year. Michael Franco, three more runs batted in. He's got a, a good uh, season going. And uh, Andrew McCutcheon and Cesar Hernandez chipping in with three hits apiece in that victory. Phils are off uh, today, but they start a weekend series at home tomorrow night against Washington. Sixers home this evening against Toronto, 8 o'clock. Game three of their Eastern Conference semifinal series. It's the National Day of Prayer today, nationaldayofprayer.org, if you want to look up more info on that, based on John 13, 34. Love one another, just as I have loved you. And we are also taking time to play some clips from the past month, just to give you a little taste of what you may have missed, and also what the, you know, the full podcasts are available at WFIL.com. This one, a gentleman named Danny Goldberg, he was the manager of Nirvana for a number of years, right when they were blown up in the early 90s. I happened to work at a radio station, a top 40 station in State College, Pennsylvania, called B103. And I remember at the time, we were playing... You know, all sorts of stuff. Janet Jackson, Paul Abdul. There were uh, hair bands at the time uh, that were out, like Nelson and uh, Winger. And we had alternative bands we played, like The Cure and Depeche Mode and a bunch of one-hit wonders. So it was a, a big mix. And then along came Nirvana. And for those familiar with the band, I mean, they really defined a genre in a lot of ways. Kurt Cobain, the lead singer, who unfortunately took his life in his 20s, the 25-year anniversary of his passing actually just happened. So that was the the reason of having uh, Danny Goldberg on, his former manager, who wrote a book called Serving the Servant, done from a, a gentle perspective and a, a, po- a positive perspective. And so we had a conversation for a few minutes on a, a program with uh, Mr. Goldberg early in April. Here's a clip from that. That was the thing about him as an artist was he somehow fused the musical languages of pop because he wrote these great choruses and riffs that you know would stick in your head after one listen. And he was a student of that. The metal where he could rock as hard as anybody and, and the punk alternative culture which spawned him. And he had the integrity and the personal connection of punk, but he had the musical skills and i when 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 i first talked to the people at the label about trying to get onto top 40 stations the promo guy there said what's wrong with you it's a it's for paula abdul there's no hard rock on these <laughs> formats and finally there was a programmer in atlanta i still remember her name leslie fram who who just decided to experiment with spells like teen spirit and within about two weeks stations like yours and in, in, in Pennsylvania, we're, we're playing it because the research came back so strong. Same with metal stations. The metal stations didn't want to play it because they thought that the guys in pickup trucks, trucks who liked Van Halen were not going to like a punk band. But but And it ended up being one of the most played uh, records on all the metal stations. And, of course, it was number one on 
alternative. So these are just radio formats and trades of art. But what it really meant was that audiences who never were in the same room together were in the same room when they saw Nirvana concerts, that he somehow united a bunch of disparate teenagers yeah. into one notion that uh, that there was something different than what we called hair metal or, you know, hair bands. And, and he just kind of took back the idea of rock as an art form and not merely as entertainment. But he also was really entertaining. Yeah. That's funny you mentioned Paula Abdul. We were playing her every single hour pretty much. when <laughs> Right. That was the paradox. How do you go from Paula Abdul? Janet Jackson. I got nothing, yeah, Janet Jackson to Nirvana. But that's how talented he, the guy was. And when I say him, because obviously Nirvana was three people. Sure. I don't mean any disrespect. Dave Grohl's had an amazing career in the Foo Fighters. Christo Veselic was Kurt's best friend since high school and, and, and a brilliant guy in his own right. But Kurt did write all the songs. He was the lead singer. He was the lead guitar guitarist. He designed the album covers. He storyboarded the videos. And he made all the decisions. So I, 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 uh, I know I'm an advocate, but those are just facts. <laughs> he, he was the vision of Nirvana. Danny Goldberg being kind enough to spend a little time with us. Maybe one last question for you. Can you pick one thing out about Kurt that um, people might be surprised about in a, in a good way, just to, whether they underestimate maybe his, his musical ability or his... Like, I, just think a, how, I think how hard he worked. You know, he had this image of kind of being a slacker. He liked to wear pajamas and junk food and, uh, you know, some slouched a lot when he did interviews. But when it came to music, uh, leading up to Nevermind, he insisted that they rehearse eight to ten hours a day for three months they went into the studio with every nuance of that record planned out. Uh, so he had a tremendous work ethic when it came to his art, notwithstanding kind of the way he looked when he talked to people. That's Danny Goldberg, a former manager for the band Nirvana, and uh, his book that he wrote called Serving the Servant, about the life of Kurt Cobain. Fast forward, I guess it was about a week or so, and certainly many years later, that we have had some guests on or contestants currently on season 16 of The Voice. And one of those contestants, her name is Mari. Simply goes by that single name, M-A-R-I. And among other things, she talked about her life and her background in music, which includes time in the church. Yeah. Uh, both of my parents are worship pastors. So when I was younger, probably about 13 or 14, I believe, uh, they went ahead and had me start singing on the prison worship team, oh. um, which was super awesome for me. And it helped me a lot with my performance skills and, and that kind of thing. But I, that's when I started singing, like, pretty actively in the church, at least, every single week. Other than that, I had done, like, different local churches, like solo-type selections, that sort of thing. And then from that point, though, I've, I've just stayed on the prison worship team. I've, I've done that kind of thing. And then um, on the side, I kind of got into some of the pop and indie music and R&B and different stuff like that. So I write a lot of that as well and kind of try and combine those influences. And uh, so now we're here. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And is there, was there a point at which you started to feel like this could become a little bit more than something I enjoy doing? Uh, you know, our, our kids are into sports a lot. And sometimes <laughs> you say, well, when does it, when does the baseball player, for example, know he thinks he may have what it takes to make a run at being professional? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up in such a musical family. Um, and I've been very lucky to have parents that never, like, pushed anything on me. They didn't necessarily, like, force me into music or anything like that. I, I decided I wanted to do that on my own and because of my own love for it. But I've always known that I, I wanted to perform. I wanted to create music for people. And I didn't know how, but I just knew that that was definitely my calling. So, you know, just kind of being in church and being able to perform and realizing how much I loved, like, feeding off the band and, and performing for people and ministering and different stuff like that, that really kind of just, 
it clicked for sure. Even though I always knew it, it wasn't until I really started doing it, like, you know, somewhat frequently that I was like, wow, like I really, this is definitely what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I love to do. That's Mari, one of our April 2019 guests uh, from The Voice, a contestant on that program. And we also had another contestant from The Voice who similarly had a church background in terms of her music training and an opportunity to just use the gifts that God gave her. Her name is Rebecca Howell. And here's a little bit of our conversation we had a couple of weeks back. Oh, yeah. So my dad is actually a pastor. Okay. And so um, I started out singing in church. Yeah. Uh, before 4 8. <laughs> so wow. I was singing in church, that's where I got started. Um, and then this past year, in my senior year of high school, a pastor came to me from Christ Chapel, Cochrane, where I live at, yeah. and uh, asked me if I'd like to fill in as worship leader. So for wow. the past few months, I've been uh, leading worship at Christ Chapel, Cochrane, where I live. That's cool. How do you like it so far? Do you think, you, if, if schedule permitting, you'd like to do that for a little while? Yeah, I love leading worship, you know. I mean, I love using my talents, you know, for God, and I think um, it's been a great opportunity to, like, grow even in that aspect as an artist. Like, it's really helped me, I don't know, just being in front of people singing every Sunday and stuff, I think definitely prepared me even more for this moment. So, yeah, I love it. That's Rebecca Howell from Season 16 of The Voice. Also, before that, Mari who also was on season 16 of The Voice. And uh, we had Danny Goldberg, who wrote a brand new book called Serving the Servant, about his uh, time managing and working with Kurt Cobain and the band Nirvana that he helped launch about 25, 30 years ago. We'll take a brief break. Continue on with the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL, and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. AM 560 WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in today. We have a little mix going on. First of all, it's the National Day of Prayer. So we are playing a few songs this hour that have to do with prayer and mixing in some scripture verses. And we're also sprinkling in some interview clips from the past month just as a way of give you an idea of maybe what you've missed and, of course, what's available to you via podcast. We have all the shows up on WFIL.com, and you're welcome to help yourself to those anytime. One of the scripture verses that I know um, a lot of folks know, I love it, and it's a great reminder from Psalm 37.4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Does that mean that you will get all sorts of riches and wonderful, amazing things. Well, God could certainly give you those things, but the first part of that verse really matters a lot, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. And as you do that, then your desires line up with his and ultimately what we really all need. Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is a classic from Keith Green. Speak to that in the sense of just put my heart up before you, Lord, and I want my life to be a prayer to you. This is a classic again from Keith Green, Make My Life a Prayer, WFIA. Make my life a prayer to you. I want to do what you want me to. No empty words and no white lies. No token prayers, no compromise. I want to shine the light you gave through your son. You said to save us from- 
from ourselves and our despair. It comforts me to know you're really WFIL, WFIL.com, it's Keith Green, and make my life a prayer. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Thank you for tuning in. Today is the National Day of Prayer, nationaldayofprayer.org. If you want to look up uh, some of the events that have already happened and uh, what it's all been about, you can certainly step outside, take a walk, and pray for your neighborhood or your family, whatever the case may be, even if you don't have a chance to participate in something official, so to speak. Love one another, the theme based on John 13, 34, which simply says, love one another just as I have loved you. So today we're taking time to play a few songs that have to do with prayer and a few scripture verses uh, thrown in there too. And also taking a look back over the past month just to reflect on some of the guests that have been able to spend some time with us, including Alistair Begg of the program Truth for Life. And uh, among other things, he has a brand new book just came out called Pray Big. As we had our nice conversation, I asked him to share how he came to know the Lord in the first place, because without that, there wouldn't be a book, Pray Big. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, again, that's, that, is, that takes us to the place of prayer, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, I had the privilege in many ways of a, of a background a little bit like Timothy, insofar as uh, 
I had a godly grandmother and a, and a godly mother who who both prayed for me and uh, and as I anticipate one day um, getting the the real backstory to uh, God's dealings in my life, I presume that I'm going to discover that a great deal of that was tied to the unseen and yet faithful prayers of not only them but but of others who uh, knew of me and loved me, and probably the prayers too of. Uh, those who taught me at Sunday school as a boy in Glasgow, you know, my just dealing, you know, on, a, on an average evening, if I've got two or three of my grandchildren staying over with me, just, you know, trying to get them to calm down and go to their beds and, and read a story. It's, I mean, it's a major exercise. <laughs> and so, yeah. and so the thought of, and it's not because they're peculiarly disruptive or anything or, 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 un, you know, disobedient. It's just, it's just an effort for me at least which is one of the reasons you're supposed to have children when you're young, not when you're in your middle 60s. But, <laughs> but, but when, I think about, when I think about the privilege and task of the average Sunday school teacher with a group of boys, particularly rambunctious boys, you know, between the ages of, let's say, 5 and 10, surely those teachers must be praying, praying for patience, praying for God to do what only God can do, and that is to open their eyes to understand what it is that's being said, and then to actually entrust themselves to the Savior of whom they've been speaking. And that really is the story of my um, initial encounter with Jesus, which uh, starts in the faithfulness of uh, prayer and the faithfulness of those who taught me, and then the faithfulness of my father, who was able to interpret for me some of the uh, questions of my young mind and uh, really, at, uh, on a Sunday afternoon, as a, as a young boy at elementary school, I, I acknowledged that uh, I, I knew what it was to be jealous and, and hurtful and spiteful, and even in relationship to my sister, and that I could see that uh, I needed God to make me the kind of boy he wanted me to be, and, and uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's the beginning right there. The, the rest of the journey continues to today. At what point, maybe, would you? is there a point in your life you feel like there was a, a time it was clear to you that this is my Savior now and I, I'm walking with Him, or was it a little more of a gradual? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. No, no I, I, right there and then on that Sunday afternoon, I mean, I, mean I, I, cannot, I can hardly believe that this happened, but I went back to school. And at school at that time, if, if you got like a new pair of shoes or if a girl got some new piece of uh, clothing, then you you were you went behind the blackboard so you could show them uh, to your teacher. So it was a kind of show and tell, but not for everybody. Yeah. And then if the teacher felt that what you were showing or telling was uh, uh, would be of interest or benefit to the larger company, then she would say, "Okay, so now Alistair is going to show you his new sneakers." And on. Within short order, I don't know if it was the Monday or the Tuesday or the Wednesday, I went behind the blackboard and I told my teacher at school that I had asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior and I would like to sing a song. Now, if you've heard me singing, you know that is not something that I should be doing. <laughs> but but I, I, I sang a chorus uh, to my class, and it was directly tied to my understanding of Jesus as a Savior in a personal way. Hmm. Now, you go forward from there to the age of 16 when I was baptized in Yorkshire. That would be another 
a step forward in that, and there would be other points along the way. But in terms of the genesis, I mean, I look forward to getting to heaven and finding out just in what context my name was written into the Lamb's Book of Life. Mm. But if you, want, if you want to ask me what I did it from, then I did it from that Sunday afternoon, on my knees, in the family room, with my dad. It's Alistair Begg from the program Truth for Life, his brand new book called Pray Big. Congratulations, by the way, and high fives to Bernay in Belmar, New Jersey, Valerie in Philly, and Anthony and Yaden. They were among our recent winners of the book Pray Big. Uh, Alistair Begg and his team were kind enough to send a bunch of copies along, and we've been busy giving those away uh, during that month of April. If you're just tuning in, we're playing some clips of interviews from the month of April to give you an idea of what's been happening and also uh, certainly honoring um, National Day of Prayer today by playing some songs and reading some scripture verses pertaining to prayer. AM 560, WFIL, WFIL.com. It's Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Just want to uh, wrap up our time together with a couple of clips from the month of April and give you a taste of what you may have missed and also what you can get in terms of podcasts at WFIL.com. Daryl Lefevre, one of the directors for the movie Unplanned, that uh, movie around Abby Johnson you may have heard about. We talked with him, and uh, one of the things I asked him about was just to give a little backstory on how the movie came to be. Sure, we're uh, Carrie Solomon and Chuck Conselman. They're the writer-directors, and we've been friends for about 10 years. I've uh, been wanting to work together all that time, and about five years ago, uh, this book, Unplanned, was literally placed in front of them in a Starbucks by uh, by a friend of theirs, and she just dropped by. She said, you need to make this into a movie. I think pretty much she said, you're going to make this into a movie. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and uh, they, you know, they kind of looked at the cover, and they're like, I don't even know what this is, you know, never heard of it, and so put it on a shelf for a little while, and then really felt like, kind of pretty much felt like the Lord was prompting them, like, you need to read this. So they did, and they didn't get more than a few pages in, and were like, oh, my gosh, this story has to be told. You know, so they... Um, yeah, so that was uh, then they they began the journey of writing it and interviewing Abby, interviewing uh, you know people that used to be abortion doctors, interviewing staffers, uh, really just immersing themselves in that community and and uh, ended up you know writing a script and really we wanted it to come out uh, we wanted to do it like three years ago and then we wanted it to come out uh, last fall and really felt like uh, we were supposed to delay, like God was really putting on our hearts, like delay, delay, like not yet, not yet. And we didn't understand why, but now we do. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. abortion is the most talked about subject in America right now. And so yeah. obviously, uh, you know, this is, we, aren't, we aren't marketing geniuses. This was all, all God's timing. I also asked Daryl to share a bit about the story of Abby Johnson. Yeah, Abby's story is that she uh, was going to Texas A&M, she was a student. She through Volunteer Day, uh, she got called over to the Planned Parenthood table, and they, you know, convinced her the idea that Planned Parenthood wants to actually make abortions rare and to help women, and that's all that Abby ever wanted to do. She wanted she was studying psychology at the time, mm-hmm. but she wanted to help women, and so she started volunteering at Planned Parenthood, and and eight years later, she works her way up from being a volunteer to being a clinic director. Uh, in the same town of uh, College Station, Texas, where Texas A&M is. Okay. Uh, and so she she works her way up to director, but she's working on more on the admin side. You know, she's scheduling, hiring, firing, you know, building, all that kind of stuff. And one day, the doctor's short a nurse, and they come up and say, hey, Abby, can you come back and help us? And so she does, and she holds this sonogram wand so that the doctor can see what he's doing while he performs an abortion, and she essentially comes undone. Hmm. You can't believe that this, you know, she's been telling women for eight years, 
that it's just a just a clump of tissue. You know, it can't really feel any pain. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't respond to anything. Uh, and then she sees the baby respond to what's happening to it. And even though she knew that, you know, it had ten fingers, had ten toes, had, you know, that it was it was a developing baby inside the womb. What got her was the fact that it actually responded to pain. So it was no longer just a lump of tissue. It was a baby. And once she realized that she had spent eight years convincing women, you know, to to take their babies. She couldn't be a part of it anymore. She she had to quit. And uh, and the the love part of the story is that for the eight years that she was going to work, there was the same people at the fence with the which what's now called Forty Days for Life that were loving on her and telling her we're for you, Abby. We're praying for you. Mm. You know, they give her birthday cards. You know, they they weren't screaming at her and they were actually loving on her. And so when that day came, when she could no longer be a part of this, she knew where to go. She knew to go to these people that understood what she was what she was going through and that had loved on her for all that time. And so it's really a it's a, it's I mean it, 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 there are harsh realities to it because it's about abortion, but ultimately it's a story about redemption and love and faith and hope and you know that you can you can do a 180. You know you can walk away from your past and your past and walk into a new future. Daryl Lefevre again, one of the directors for the movie Unplanned, guest on the Tim DeMoss show. Another guest we had, we'll wrap up with this one, Shane Pruitt, author of the book Nine Lies Christians Believe, although it's not a a heavy-handed book by any stretch, but uh, he tells a little backstory as to where it all came from. So I always like to say, you know, I love, um, I work for a convention of churches, and so I love being able to travel and speak full-time, working with churches and pastors. But my primary ministry is my family. I have a wonderful wife named Casey. We have five kids that are 12 and under. So, Tim, that is a prayer request. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our, our oldest two daughters are uh, biological, uh, 12 and, and 7. And then we have a six-year-old son adopted from Uganda. Uh, then we have a three-year-old son adopted from here in Texas and a 21-month-old daughter adopted from here in Texas. Our six-year-old son from Uganda has uh, a lot of special needs. He's in a wheelchair, cerebral palsy, epilepsy, suffers from seizures every day. He's been with us for six years. Um, he's had 12 surgeries in and out of the hospital, constant doctor visits, therapies, uh, battling with insurance, all those things. And, you know, through that time, very well, many people, people that we love and adore and total strangers will say, you know, God won't give you more than you can handle. Or they'd say, hey, you know what the Bible says? God won't give you more than you can handle. And of course, it's like, that's not biblical at all. That's not in the Bible. And so over time, I began to kind of make a list of these one-liners, cliches that we have, a lack of a better term, have adopted into our, our Christianity, uh, baptized them, and made them a part of our Christian vernacular that aren't even necessarily biblically true, that they're actually lies uh, that will hold us back in our faith. And so each chapter covers one of those cliches, and then what is God's biblical response to those? Um, because, you know, typically... You share one of these cliches, well-meaning people do, to someone who's struggling, right? You take that one, God won't give you more than you handle. You usually don't say that to someone who's having the best day of their life. You usually share it with someone who's struggling. And what's going to get us through those dark nights of the soul is God's Word and His truth and not some little cliche that's not even biblically true. That's author Shane Pruitt just giving a little flavor of his book, Nine Lives Christians Believe. And as I mentioned before the clip, it's not a heavy-handed book, but just kind of helping you realize, hey... Am I just uh, throwing cliches around or am I actually giving someone the truth of God's word? What does it actually say? 
Big difference. Listen to the full podcast of that and other Tim DeMoss shows. You're helping, you know, welcome to help yourself at WFIL.com. We'll turn things over now to Jim Maxim, Acts 413 Ministries, on this National Day of Prayer. The lead in prayer next on WFIL. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.